This is Kelly Mahoney, and you're listening to Dream Team Origins. Our special guest this week is Jean Chorba. Uh, I'm uh, Jean Chorba. I used to be a professional hackathoner. Now I do developer relations for Riot Games. Uh, before that, I did developer relations a bunch of other places. I originally thought I was going to be, uh, and I was in a pre-law program where I was studying to go become a lawyer. Um, I really thought I wanted to do copyright law, something I'm still incredibly passionate about and like to work on. But it was just not something that I could really get passionate about in a classroom where people were, it was all this theory and there was no practical applications. And then my computer science classes were really where I thrived and really understood. Um, and it, it, it was, it was I, I'm sure this is not uncommon in that like, if you really, really loved computer science, you were studying ahead and I was, and so I would just be constantly asking questions. But even then it was still just like theory based and it, it was still a little, um, so I'd go in and be like, hey, you need to build a phone book application. And I'd be like, okay, I'm building a phone book application so I can get an A. Or, hey, you need to convert uh, this to this. Uh, and I'm like, cool, I'll do this for the assignment. And then I was in a class uh, with, uh, um, it was Dr. Erin Elizabeth Durham's class, and she was my teacher at Georgia State University. I had not attended a lot of classes that year. Um, I was frequently bored doing other stuff, and she basically gave me a ultimatum of like, if you want to pass, you need to go do extra credit stuff. Um, luckily, I had a friend, a few friends, uh, one of uh, whom I'm still really close with, uh, William, who uh, told me about this hackathon that was happening over at Emory University. He was like, you should come with us. We got college credit for, go- we got class credit for going. It was like super cool. And so I went to the event. Um, I had done some coding competitions and some hackathons before, but they're mainly corporate events. And so they were not super like amazing. And I was also just very much younger um, at the point. So this was really like the intro to college hackathons for me. Through that, uh, while we were there, we built um, Shelter, which was an application that allowed uh, homeless women uh, men and children to find out if a bed was available and reserve a bed at a homeless shelter in the Atlanta area before they got to it. Because that was a big problem. It still is a big problem that these homeless uh, people will be trying to cr- go across the entire city and then reach a place and there not actually be a bed available for them. So we built that. We ended up uh, winning at the hackathon, which was really, really cool. We had a lot of people in be really interested in the product and it was just like that was kind of the the fire was lit in me my teacher ended up giving me like full credit for the class and i didn't have to take the final because of our final project basically demonstrated everything we needed to know in the class and i really had the bug at that point since then i think i've been to 120 plus hackathons that really took over my life for a long time where if i i would skip school I would skip just about everything to go to these coding events. And it really, it it actually funded for a few years my entire life to be able to do those things. Um, It was also something that I was just incredibly passionate about. 
And then met the love of my life, Casey, and uh, realized I needed to start like figuring out what a long-term plan looked like so that I could uh, settle down one day. I had all this experience from hackathons and development, and I ended up parlaying the hackathon success into a few different jobs in different places, doing tech stuff, and the, and eventually ending up as, for about two years, the head of developer experience at Ionic Security, a startup in uh, Atlanta, where they leaned on my coding expertise, as well as my like plethora knowledge about hackathons that I could use to help us become a very big uh, influencer there, where we were the keynote sponsor for uh, HackGT for a few years and just involved in a lot of stuff. And then uh, I, while I was working there, I, I was like, I, this hackathon bug won't go away. So I started organizing my own hackathons because I'm a masochist like that. That's actually where I met Kelly. Uh, actually, no, I met Kelly at Mango Hacks and then she came to my hackathon and I would, did a little bit of off the wall stuff that uh, those hackathons don't do. And I just started putting my own money where my mouth was and start sponsoring prizes. And the first year, uh, I did a random challenge for anybody who could make me hungry with an application. And uh, Kelly built an application that I still use to this day that helps me find what food I'm going to eat. I'm literally laughing behind the mute. Like, <laughs> I was like, please don't turn this into, oh, yeah. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly is the example of my success. <laughs> um, so so when you say professional hackathon, are you were not kidding. You, uh, you've been to quite a few, haven't you? <laughs> uh, quite a few. Is a, yeah, a good number. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually had the same situation where I almost didn't graduate because of how many classes I missed to hackathons. But yeah. luckily to everyone listening, um, depending on how your school is structured, you can either get class credit like Gene uh, Chorba has or they can count as academic absences because you are technically representing your school. So fun fact. <laughs> so, not go to school and win stuff. Woo! <laughs> Out of all of the hackathons you've ever been to, if you could pick one piece of swag that was your favorite, do you think you could do that, or do you think there's just too many? Oh. Are, are you looking around? I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm literally looking around the room, being like, huh. So, so if any <laughs> the most influential one by far has to be my first Pebble Watch. My first Pebble Watch, I won at, uh, I don't actually know the hackathon. I can't remember anymore. I've since won a bunch of Pebble Watches, but uh, it really set me down a path of being, like, doing stuff in hackathons. Like, for an entire year, I built, everything I built had to have a Pebble Watch integration. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was very influential. I still, to this day, if I'm doing like a presentation or if I'm demoing something, I'll have like a backup version that like, instead of like having to do the actions, I can control it with my watch. It is, it, it was my favorite, one of my favorite things. I'm talking like free swag, like free, free, like, oh, free swag. Yeah, oh. like not necessarily prizes, but like, you know, like uh, there was this really cool water bottle at one event or like this blanket, this other event gave away was like on. I, I, I will tell you, it is a uh, HP Enterprises weighted blanket. Uh, we still, this is four years old. Is that the one I, I used? Yes. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. It, it's a pretty good blanket. <laughs> yeah, we still use that blanket. It's the thing that's lasted the longest. Yeah, that's that, awesome. There was a giant teddy bear that was given away. 
Okay. Yeah. So if, so I, so I've seen your house. Um, I've, you know, been there and experienced it. And, uh, something that immediately stands out, um, is you have all of your medals that you've won from like MLA tackathons and like your, like all of your badges from different conferences you've been to. And, um, now after going to other friends' houses, they have their medals hung up and I'm like, oh, wow, like, that's awesome. You've won that many. And they always say this. Are you ready for this? What they're, is like, it? Uh, they're like, oh yeah, I kind of just had to have my gene moment over here. <laughs> like... like <laughs> Like I you're, have a lot of <laughs> like you're just regarded in the community as someone who's really, really good at hackathoning and going to hackathons and you know performing really well. Do you like? Is there anything that you think you could pass on to um, people who are just getting started, or maybe people who have been in hackathons for a while? Like any advice to being yeah. successful? I have a bunch of advice on hackathons. Um, okay. One is like I never. Um, like, I won't say never. I, a lot of the time, I wasn't there to compete to win. There are times, like, when it's, like, the ending part, and I get super competitive, but it's, like, it's past the point where I can actually influence it. But don't treat them as these massive competitions and going to win for prizes. Treat it as something because it's going to bring value later in your life. Because while the you might get the instant gratification of, like, hey, you got this new speaker, or you got this uh, gift card to Chipotle, it doesn't necessarily help you long-term in life. The connections you're making there, the de development skills you're learning, the just networking you do, the problem solving, the all the things you, you learn at the event is more valuable than anything you win. And I, and I really, really believe that you should meet as many people at the events. Well, one of the proudest things in my hackathon career is that for a good 80% of the hackathons I participated in and maybe won prizes of that or whatever, uh, my team was somebody I met at that event. You can, there's probably a ton of people out there who either hated working with me or we had good fun, I don't know. But uh, I, every time I was in line, I would, I was, I, I, this was before a lot of people would go as schools. So I would just show up at events in New England and I was pretty much the only person from the South. Or I'd go out into California and I would definitely be the only person from the South. And I would just I would just start talking to people in line reg in registration and we'd form a team. And those connections, those people, I'm still friends with to this day. Some of my best friends in the entire world come from hackathons and I, and I really, really believe that people need to realize that that's what you're going to get out of in the long run. That's awesome. That's really good advice. Um, I, I agree. You definitely can't go to these events expecting to win or treat the, treating them as competitions. You definitely have to treat them as learning opportunities. Yeah, so that's really cool. Because you're someone who's basically like at the top you know, I would say of as far as expertise in, you know, hackathoning and just this community in general, are there ever points that you combat imposter syndrome or is there ever any instances where you have to kind of like remind yourself how, how good you are or anything like that? I deal with serious imposter syndrome. Like, no joke. I've gotten better with it uh, as I've gotten out of school and just in the real world and development and everything. But uh, there's still there's still there's still bits and, and pieces of it. 
But honestly, hackathons were one of my ways of uh, combating imposter syndrome. Um, I grew up in for a lot of my life uh, in the uh, in Georgia, which is the South, and the South is obsessed with sports. Um, I was never the most athletic child. I still am not the most athletic person, and uh, but like I never found that thing that was just my competitive thing. And so when I started doing uh, competition style coding with hackathons and such, uh, it really gave me a lot of be like, oh, I do belong here. I do like I go do these things. It also um, it helped a lot when, uh, and I don't know if this is still true. Um, because now everybody goes to hackathons, but early on, not a lot of people did. So it was a big deal when you talk to like a potential employer, or you talk to somebody who was like tangentially related to the space. They'd be like, "Oh, you do hackathons? Oh, you you must be like really cool and whatever." And not knowing that I, we're we're all just super nerdy and like we literally go, we, our weekends are spent going to another school and staying there the entire time. And, playing on computers. But still, it allowed me these ways of building some confidence throughout the, the entire process. To now, uh, I probably have too much. We have a friend uh, that we share uh, named Bernie, uh, who once upon a time uh, said that I have re re reckless self-confidence. And uh, that is now true. So basically, getting accepted and going to these events and you know doing well is what confirmed that you were like, wow, like I am really good at this. Right. Yeah, but yeah, but at the same time, when I was not at hackathons, when I first started in the workforce, I was panicked and worried because <laughs> hackathons tell you teach you a ton of bad habits when it comes to coding and just the general development practices. While they teach you a lot of great things, there's some you should not code everything like it's a hackathon project because it's not sustainable. There's, production code doesn't work that way. Just don't. So when I when I like the first few jobs I had, the first six months each time were absolute hell because I was every day I was worried they're gonna realize I'm a fraud. Like I don't know how to write production code. Uh, this is how I write code. But then they like the thing that I realized, and, and I think a lot of people realize once they become more and more involved with the company is the company's investing in you and they want you to succeed. Um, so if you ask a lot of questions, that's not a negative thing. If you're an entry-level person or an intern or whatever, these companies want you to succeed. They have invested a lot of time, effort, money, blood, sweat, and tears into getting you there. Don't be afraid to screw up because, and I, 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 I have to preface this, this is not all companies, but 99% of companies will not punish you for screwing up. As long as it's reasonable, they will, but they will understand and they will hope and they will expect that you have learned your lesson when you screw up and you won't make those mistakes again. One of the biggest things hackathons get allow you to do is fail a lot. Like you get to fail a ton and just build yourself up and build yourself up and build yourself up. Do that at work too. So there's a, there's a huge relationship between what you do at a hackathon and what you do at work. And like, I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize the superpowers that they gain from doing hackathons um, or organizing them either. Uh, there are incredibly valuable things you learn that sets you apart very quickly from your peers when you're going into the workforce that allow you to move up much quicker. If you're an org, say you're an organizer in an event, um, 
you're doing something that almost nobody else on the planet at that age is doing. You're running events for hundreds of people as a college student. That means you're dealing with budgetary concerns. You're dealing with like employee management where you're having to dictate who does what, what are job shifts, how are those things working. You have to source things. You have to source food, you have to source swag, you have to sort, you have to contact and develop partnerships with other companies. Hey, if you want someone to sponsor them, you got to write a goddamn good email. And these are all skills that are incredibly valuable once you work, you move into the workforce because you're going, once you, you've already shown a baseline understanding of those and they're pretty much, once someone understands you have those baselines, they'll help you level those skills up as well. On the uh, hackathon side, like as a, as a participant, you're able to pivot very quickly, fail very quickly. You're able to do all these things and understand the workflow process. Um, uh, my buddy, uh, Bernie, and I, uh, this last year, we learned a very, very valuable lesson. And this was kind of where these philosophies came from. A lot of credit to Bernie for this, for really articulating the best from the steal it. Sorry, Bernie. Is that we, going through hackathons as attendees, are able to understand results-driven process. Because we all know that at the end of the hackathon, I need this thing. This thing that has to be presented to judges, this thing has to be done. And so when we go back 30, at the beginning of 36 hours, we have established what we need at that point. Um, so an example is uh, this past year, Bernie and I, we went on Startup Bus and we built a children's storybook uh, company. But unlike almost every other attendee on the bus, we knew an hour into the bus ride exactly what we were going to be delivering on the other end. And honestly, we didn't have the best product. We didn't have, but we had the thing that was the most complete because we didn't spend a lot of time throughout the entire time journey figuring out what we were going to do because we knew exactly what we needed at the end. It's a process and a system that you need to learn in work as well. When someone says, hey, at the end of the sprint, I need this, you, you have the ability to now go back in your mind and figure out exactly what you got to do to do that. That's interesting. Obviously, at hackathons, though, we, we want to encourage everyone to demo, um, even if like it doesn't work or even if there is a bug. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, so don't, so don't be afraid to demo. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't, I don't mean that. Like yeah. you should, you should like, I'm saying there's there, I yeah. the problem with speaking about hackathons is yeah. there are so many different hackathon experiences. Right. Like there's the newbie experience. There's the person who's been to three or four. Then there's the people who've been to 10 to 15. And then there's the 15 plus, um, who are just, and we're all insane. <laughs> but, uh, they're like you should all everybody should be going to these events and everybody should be working on building stuff and iterating and doing stuff over and over because you're building habits that are going to help you for the rest of your life so you said you're working at uh riot games now yes i do pretty much the same role i did at iSecurity, which is like i do a lot of developer relations stuff a lot of outreach to our community we have a lot of uh, developers who build really cool tech around the game, and I and I support them in any way I can. A while back, you mentioned that you were actually going to school be to become a lawyer. How did computer science classes fit in with that curriculum? Because I always 
was computer science background. So as much as I like being a lawyer was not a great idea in my mind, like as it turns out, because like my entire uh, teenage life I was coding. So I don't know why I didn't just do the thing I was already doing and decided, no, let's just, let's ignore that. Let's be a lawyer because I, uh, I used to go to for many, for over 10 or 15 years, uh, national computer, national computer camps where I was a camper for many years for the entire summer, where they would teach us coding, video game design, all sorts of stuff like that. And I was there, I worked my way up from being a camper to a counselor's assistant, which basically means don't let the kids run away and get in trouble, to um, I became a counselor and I was I had to develop curriculum, I had to teach kids, to eventually being uh, the assistant director of the camp. So, so you're definitely one of those people who kind of works their way up in the in the ranks. It I, seems I, like I, I, if I find something I love, I'll just keep working. On yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I've I've, I've never heard of a, a camp like that, so that's really it's, cool. It's amazing. Luckily for kids and people these days, there's a plethora. But like, you go to Ivy Tech, you can go to National Computer Camps, you can go to all these different things. But when I was a kid, shaking my fist to the kids. There was only really one option, and it was. But I still, it's some of the best times of my life. Yeah. Do you remember like the first thing you ever coded, or like the first time that you like went on a computer and like made something? And you're like, whoa. I was blessed by having a uh, pretty understanding and techie uh, dad uh, who supported my techie pursuits at a very young age. Yeah. Um, so probably one of my earliest experiences was we, like we went to Best Buy and like when I was like eight years old, and we bought a. Hewlett Packard. It wasn't HP at that time. It was Hewlett Packard PC, and we brought it home. It was like ten o'clock, and my dad was like, "You're going to sleep, and then we'll set it up when you get when I get home tomorrow." By the time my dad was home the next day, the computer was completely set up, and I was already playing games on it. Um, so, uh, and that, and my dad was like, "Oh, you must know, like realize, like I knew what I was doing at that point." But the first application I ever wrote was probably. Uh, a C, like the first one I'm proud of um, was a C++ graphics thing where I basically modeled what we now call emojis, but I just call smiley faces in 3D. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's really, really cool. OpenGL um, represent. Yeah, I actually remember one of the uh, hacks I was a, uh, a team member for, for the, ha the first hack GSU. It was a social media platform solely constructed around emojis yeah <laughs> i think I, th I think it won the most ridiculous prize <laughs> I, I remember that you, you won a bunch of speakers i believe for that yes too many speakers <laughs> like way more speakers than i actually knew what to do with <laughs> <laughs> going back to you said that you started your own hackathons after being to so many i would probably argue that you created george's hackathon scene <laughs> um, like, obviously, I didn't know what it was like beforehand, but because it wasn't even on the map before basically HackGSU started, what was your inspiration to start your own hackathon? And what in the um, tech community did you try to um, fix or do better with your event? First, I'll correct. The Georgia, Te Georgia Tech had their hackathon the year before we started. So <laughs> uh, I, I would give a lot of credit for the like the Georgia Hackathon scene to them. What, the reason I started our event is because 
there wasn't really anything that was tailored and was really reaching out to people outside of, of the state. One of the biggest focuses for the original GSU Hackathon and everyone since then has been bring people from really diverse backgrounds and bring them together. So we have people coming all the way from Canada driving down. We had people drive up from Miami. Kelly, where'd you drive? You drove from Ocala? Gainesville, basically, yeah. yeah but it's still like a five or six hour drive. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we had a good 50-60% of the attendees that were driving or flying or coming from different places. So we ended up with this incredibly diverse group of people from different skill levels and we tailored our prizing and everything and our challenges based on that. So like you and I and I I honestly I went in and it was like, hey, you're not going to win. It, like I know you're an experienced hackathon. You're not going to win this beginner prize. So we had beginner, we had intermediary, we had basically professional hackathon prizes. We had this entire system set up so that we could be as welcoming as possible. Because of how hackathons have been built and everybody's very much into the prizes, I tried to give out as many prizes, be as small as a bag of candy or as big as like, here's a new iPhone as possible. So I think we came out to about 40% of the, all the attendees got a prize that year because we just had so many challenges that we, we wanted to let people think and believe that they uh, could succeed and everybody built awesome stuff. Um, and that's kind of gone on into every other hackathon I've done um, is just promote the creativity and let people blow you away with what is there. A lot of the hackathons out there these days will give you these super, super targeted challenges where it's like, we need you to f solve this specific issue. And that's a, that, that doesn't give you a lot of creativity on how you solve it. Whereas we would do, and like, well, someone would say, I need you to paint this wall blue. I would say, this room is boring. And then you would be able to do whatever you wanted to make it not boring. Um, yeah, I, I definitely see that. See how very specific prizes can almost, um, is the word inhibit growth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so it's something we, we see a lot now. It's with like professional hackathons as well. They're starting to go over to that system too, because originally for these corporate ones, they were just wanting you to build a prototype for you, for them. But now they realize, wait, prototypes are easy because we just pay a contractor and we know what exactly what they want to do. What's hard is the discovery, the creativity. Let's let people just go wild. And so it's a much more valuable thing. So now that you're at Riot and, um, you know, it's obviously a more corporate setting from someone who's run both uh, university hackathons and now corporate hackathons, what do you think is the biggest difference or like the biggest um, uh, benefit for one versus the other? As a, an organizer and as an attendee, there's very, very different, different spaces. As an attendee, you're going to get way better food. <laughs> like corporate events, they don't screw around with food. You're not going to get pizza. You're not going to get stuff. You're going to get really, really amazing food. But it, it kind of, a lot of the times, loses its soul. Because it is, there's so much money being thrown at it versus um, it being scrappy and being done by a bunch of people where it's their passion project. Where sometimes when you have a corporate one, it's some executive said, hey, we need to have a hackathon. You person... You go do a hackathon, and he, that person has no idea what they're doing, but they do it anyway. For org, as an organizer, going from a like a non-professional corporate uh, hackathon 
to a corporate hackathon, I try and keep very little to be different. Really, the main difference in how I organize those events is I have to, unfortunately, be much stricter on who the attendees are. When you're running a corporate event, you have to determine before you do it, what is the actual outcome the company wants from it. So with Ionic, it was like, we want security tools built. With Riot, we want cool stuff in our ecosystem. With Delta, they wanted stuff they wanted to build. So you, you really have a good idea um, what you want. So you have to tailor and you have to actually really take seriously who your attendee list is and only pick people who are going to bring some sort of like great value. Unfortunately, I see a lot of hackathons out there who are corporate uh, only pick like the most skilled people and that backfires a lot because you have all these skilled people but you have nobody who's going to work with them because a lot of these people don't want to work with each other because there's rivalries and everything like that. But it really, it, when you get down to the brass tacks of it, you're still a hackathon. If you have good people come to your hackathon, and I don't mean good as in like super talented, mega awesome coders. I mean, people who want to build cool shit, you're going to have a good event. So now um, being in the professional field for a while and kind of running your own things now, if you could share one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? I have so many things I want to tell younger me. <laughs> I look at ranging from like just like simple things like don't worry, it gets easy. Like everything gets easier to uh, like don't even think about going to law school to maybe eat less Chipotle. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The biggest thing I would tell myself is just like, is don't be afraid of failure. Cause that I lived very safely for a very long time where I didn't want to do things. So I didn't want to take a risk because I didn't want to like fail. I thought I'd let people down. I thought I'd like, I'd let me down. I had low self-confidence. Um, but like once you realize that like the only person who's like going to beat you up about like a failure is really yourself. It makes it way easier to just say, I don't care if I fail on this thing and I can go do something like I, I can go do that project and it may, may not work out, but I've learned something really awesome through the process. So I, yeah, it would have to be failure, like just being okay with failing. That really strikes a chord with me because, um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of younger pe people recently and I feel like that's something that I gained with age just by going through different experiences and, and failing and realizing that, oh, wow, it's not the end of the world. But, you know, I've been talking to, to some people who who are younger and I'm like, it's OK to not know. It's, yeah. it, it's okay. Like, it's okay to not know the answer. It's okay to not know what's coming next. It's, it's okay to fail. And what I see is, is they are the, they, they are the sole ones who are beating themselves up. And it's like, I want to grab them and shake them and be like, it's gonna be okay. But you know, <laughs> it's almost like they have to go through their own moment of realization. And yeah. Yeah. For like, that's, that's another one uh, is just like, it's okay not to know everything because like for the longest time I, I wanted to know literally everything and that's not something that you ever will be able to do so uh, don't try. The next Riot Games Hackathon is 
this November 7th through 9th. Unfortunately, registration has already closed, but we do events every year. Stay tuned after the credits to listen to Jean Chorba break the this or that questionnaire. Dream Team is voiced by me, Kelly Mahoney. Our special guest this week was Jean Chorba. Next week, we'll be interviewing Chloe Condon. Cookies or cake? What type of cake? <laughs> Just your, your run-of-the-mill sponge cake. No, cookies. Cookies every day, then. <laughs> okay. Uh, cat or dog? Uh, because they're staring at me, cat. Uh, computer games or video games? Uh, video games. Why? How I pronounce it. I, that's how I say it. I don't say computer games. That's how my parents say it. <laughs> Well, I just, you know, I just downloaded I work at a video game company, not yeah. a computer game. <laughs> I mean, I would consider Le- League of Legends a computer game. We describe game. it as a video game company. Oh, PC or console? Oh, is, yes. Is that a better way? That, that's a better way. Okay. Um, uh, <clears throat> okay. Do you prefer console games or PC games? PC games. Uh, most of the time PC because, uh, but then I really love my Switch, so... <laughs> Pop music or rock music? Neither. Okay. <laughs> uh, pancakes or waffles? If there's chicken on the waffles, waffles. If there's chocolate chips on the pancakes, pancakes. Okay, so chocolate. Uh, so so chocolate chip pancakes or chicken yeah. and waffles? Yeah. Uh, oh, which one? <laughs> between those two. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, chicken and waffles. Okay, hundred percent, especially from Chicken Bitty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, tea or coffee? Tea. I hate coffee. Um, and then, um, would you rather text someone or call someone? Text, absolutely. Okay. Would you rather visit a library or a museum? Oh wow! What type of museum are we talking? Are we talking about like an art museum or like a natural history museum? A natural history museum, because because I would consider an art museum a, a gallery. Okay. Uh, are we talking like your everyday run of the mill library or yes. like a like a Hogwarts type of art library? Like, um, like obviously there's a difference between like the Boston Public Library and like you know the Ocala Public Library, but just like the public library. Like, would you rather go to a public library or a museum? I'd go to a museum. 